Good afternoon, guys. Hey. Hey. So I have an idea for a new show, new okay. drama. Ooh. You know, cop dramas are all the rage now. That's like all you see on network TV now. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think people watch Law and Order for days on end. Right. Without issue. Is this, a, is this like a grittier reboot of Paw Patrol? <laughs> You're almost there. <laughs> okay. You're almost there. So uh, it's, it's going to be a show. Paw about- Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Let's get back on track here. <laughs> so it's a, it's a show going to be called Binks. Okay. And that's the, uh, that's the nickname of the detective that solves crimes. So he's this gruff, gritty, Cheektawaga tough guy. Oh, yeah. All right. He's a tortured, crime-solving genius, but he can't focus without his binky in his mouth. Mm. Binks. 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 Uh, he was a, a, a raver in the 90s. <laughs> and now he's... Uh, that could be it. Yeah, and all those drugs unlock these, det- these crime-solving capabilities. He has, like, Molly flashbacks. Yeah. That's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking and I'm expecting this show to blow up, okay? Mm-hmm. And when it does, I'm going to start selling adult binkies. Yeah. Binks Brandon binkies. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have flavors. We're going to have menthol, menthol binkies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. going to do buffalo style. Okay, obviously. Oh, yeah, obviously. Obviously, you know, blue and red flavored. Yeah. Maybe orange. Fla- I don't know about orange flavored. Now, is it Binks with an X? B-I-N-X? Or you know, that, B-I-N-K-S? That does make it tough, and it's like, it's like a 90s tough, edgy way of spelling it. Mm-hmm. Binks. Binks. Yeah. Okay. So. Maybe, maybe uh, I was I was going for the B I N K S spelling. Yeah. I think I think he had a, the X makes it edgy. Yeah, but I think like '90s edgy. I think it's like I don't know. I, I'm open to discussion. Well, but, but if he if he was a '90s raver, yeah, capital B, lowercase I, lowercase okay. N, capital X. All right, very good. I'm, yeah. We're all in on the Binks it, thing. Yeah. It ends with X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the Binkies, the you know, the Binks branded Binkies would be real big hit with the woke crowd. Yeah. Oh yeah, they love that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for those crime-solving, crime-solving babies. That's right. That's yeah. right. Them, them too. They love the menthol flavor. <laughs> they oh, especially the menthol flavor. The buffalo style. I think they could take it or. Leave. I mean, the blue cheese they'll, they'll be into, but you know, a lot of babies are pretty reticent to have a lot of spice. Not everything's meant for babies. All right, our society we're too geared towards the kids. All right, babies they get, they get everything. They get fucking. They get Paw Patrol. They get yeah. Bluey. You know, maybe right. we need something get, for the adults. Right. They they get child tax credits. Right. Yeah. We need we need some pacifiers for the adult crowd. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, I just want to put it out there. You mm-hmm. know, this idea was put out to the public on this day. Yep. March, whatever the fuck it is. So if this comes, if this show comes out after our podcast episode comes out, there's going to be trouble. Do not steal my idea. Patent pending. Yes. Mm-hmm. Patent pending. Mm-hmm. You don't want this kind of trouble, right? That's all, right. all you need to say is patent pending, and IP law is on your side. Right. Plagiarists, thank you. Right, That's, uh, and we're going to write every episode using Chat GPT, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Bing. Uh, yeah, Ooh. yeah, that's, that's gotten some real drama mm-hmm. lately. Binks. Well, welcome back to uh, the Square Podcast, the official podcast of adult pacifiers. Yeah. And cheek to walk a tough guys. And cheek to walk a tough guys. That's right. We're back here in the snake pit doing it. It's Ree. It's Diamond Jim. And Snake. Hell yeah, dude. You know, we're chopping it up. For us, it's a Sunday. For you, it's probably a Thursday. Maybe it's another day of the week. Whatever. People aren't, you know, people aren't tethered to... Uh, to days of the week on stuff anymore. I, I recently read, or maybe it was a TikTok, I don't know, something like the the head of programming for MTV 
And they're like, why do you play ridiculousness eight hours a day on MTV? And, and they're like, well, who the fuck watches MTV during the daytime on network television? I mean, the people that do sit there on network TV watching MTV want to watch ridiculousness. The yeah. rest of our shows, they will DVR it or they'll watch it, you know, streaming or on demand or whatever. But the people, the real hardcore, I want to sit in front of the television all day people who are watching MTV, they're watching ridiculousness. Yeah, I think that's true. People, uh, either either you're getting it on demand or you're just sitting there all day watching, you know, the goofs and the gaffs mm-hmm. on the television. How do you guys feel about, you know, conventional TV? Because sometimes I just get in a mood where I want people uh, to pick the shows or in case of radio, the songs for me. You want somebody to cultivate it for cultivate you. Cultivate it because like the algorithms don't pick the best mm-hmm. shit sometimes. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm starting to, to lean more in your camp. Okay. I, I feel like it's just a mood. It's not, you know, I'm not all uh, like that all the time. Spotify. I mean, they, they cultivate their playlists pretty well. They have yeah. a pretty damn good algorithm for shit that I like, uh, you know, based on other shit that I like mm-hmm. shit that I didn't even know that I'd like. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd like to have somebody curating for me. Yes. What about you, Jim? I don't watch television. So, but on the radio, like I do listen to a lot of like terrestrial radio still. Like I listen to, you know, 97 rock or 104.1 or 98.9 or whatever, like uh, pretty regularly. I drive a lot for work. Um, and, you know, and, same with me. I got hooked on a Sirius XM with a free subscription. Mm-hmm. I bought like a card 12 years ago and I've had it ever since. You just, the trick is you got to call and get that discount every year. Oh, you're like, I'm going to go to another radio station just gonna cancel it yeah and i'm, I'm gonna listen to that's right uh 102.5 for the rest of my life I'm yeah christmas all the time and then they call back like a week later and they're like well how about if it's like three bucks a month and i'm like yeah that'll work yeah how about it well we are uh, we're doing our thing here guys and um want to start off unfortunately on a, a very somber note mm-hmm. um anybody living in buffalo western new york um will know about the uh, terrible fire that occurred uh, in downtown Buffalo this past week at the, uh, was it the DC theatrics building? Yeah. Um, on Delaware, uh, it led to the passing of a firefighter. They've released his name now, Jason Arno, a uh, 37 year old firefighter who, who died uh, in the line of line of service. Uh, very sad, uh, very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know Jim, what, do, have they released yet what the cause of that fire was or no I, I don't I think they're still investigating uh, the cause of the fire um, you know obviously there's a couple of reports out there but we won't know probably I think it's gonna take them a while to figure out what was going on um, I mean it started pretty early in the morning um, so hopefully they can find some witnesses who saw something because you know it was the beginning of the work day the, the first alarm went out at like nine something you know it was pretty early in the morning um i don't know it's it was i i was in jamestown seeing the updates about the fire because i i had already left i left the city at like eight o'clock but uh i I, yeah i don't think we know the official cause of the fire yet jeff kelly investigative post reported um that you know we heard some reports of people working on the building uh, maybe using torches or welding or something like that. Um, and a, few, a few months ago, Chris Jacobs had purchased the building. Correct, right, yeah. So. Former congressman, former county clerk, prior to former that, state senator. I guess the building had multiple code violations. Yeah. Right? So. Uh, but there, there was no, according to Jeff, no permits issued right. by the city right. to do work. Um, I assume that the Buffalo Fire Department is going to take this very seriously and, and will be investigating heavily. Yeah. And, I mean, I... Um, 
you know, I, I wasn't down there to see it, but, uh, you know, you saw the pictures on the internet of like the clouds, the plumes of black smoke up in the air. People had to evacuate their office spaces because, um, you know, the smoke was so, so bad. Yeah. Um, just an absolutely terrible, right. The, uh, the video of the explosion, uh, of, of the, the, you know, blowing out the, and knocking firefighters to the ground out on the street and main street. Um, I mean, just, just a horrible situation all around. I, my cousin went um, to the Sabres Bruins game in Boston, yeah. um, like the day after, and uh, the Bruins did do a, a moment of silence for Jason Arno, which was you know a thoughtful gesture for them for the visiting team. Yeah, young man, father, I believe. Yeah, um, um, Canisius High School grad. Yeah, just absolutely terrible. So, our thoughts are with uh, you know. Obviously, the Buffalo Fire Department, uh, mm-hmm. Jason Arno's family, and uh, yeah. friends, and yeah, um, there's, there's, I think there's a GoFundMe for his family. Uh, Oxford Pennant was doing fundraising for his family. Um, if you if you go on social media and you look at look for it, you'll you'll find uh, opportunities to you know uh, make some donations to uh, help his family out. Yeah, well, we segue from an actual tragedy, Jim, to. Uh, a very <laughs> a, a minor tragedy for our our content game here. Yeah, yeah, more more of a Greek tragedy. Yes, yes. As uh, as you may have heard, listener, if uh, you follow these Sisyphus, uh, is, is that what we're calling him? Yeah. <laughs> well, that would make a or, lot of sense, right? Because or or is it uh, uh, what's the what's the one with the wax feathers? Icarus? Icarus? Icarus. Yeah, that one. Well, Maybe Sis- it's more that one. Sisyphus makes a lot more sense because yeah. if Sisyphus, much like Nate McMurray, had a better lower body strength, he probably would get that rock <laughs> up that hill. Right. He's using too much <laughs> upper body. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Nate, uh-huh. he's got no uh, lower body strength. And of course, it's time for a Nate Nate McMurray is out of the race, Jim. Yeah, 20 minutes after we released our episode, threatening him with greased up Polish guys. And he dropped out. He dropped it. He heard yep. that and he's like, "Nope." He had what is a twenty six uh, tweet thread explaining, oh, you know, just a you know, farewell. It, and then there, and there was a video that followed. I think day, day or two after. Yeah, that video was something else. It, yeah. The video where he was trying to show like how poorly treated he was. And now, my thing is, is that he, I'm going to release the full audio. It clearly wasn't the full audio. It was heavily edited. Yes, it sounds like Terry McKinnon and Jeremy Zellner were jerks. But we don't hear like we don't hear what Nate was saying, no. and based off of his online persona, he's also a jerk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I it, couldn't bring myself to watch the video. I just couldn't. You guys, I, you guys watched it? I oh, watched. Yeah. I watched the first oh, yeah. one. I, I know he released like a second video. I haven't oh. been able to bring myself to the second video. Uh, it's. I mean, look. I'll tr- wait for the book. <laughs> The truth of the matter is this, as much as Nate McMurray wants to cry about the powers that be are keeping me out and, you know, Jeremy Zellner and big money and Mark Polencar. Yeah, well, his line is that he would never have the money to overcome their power. And you know why? Because no one wants to give Nate money. You know, th- this just like absolutely hilarious um, mind palace that Nate has created for himself, that he's some kind of like beleaguered victim of the system. Like nobody wants Nate McMurray in power. Oh, you mean the guy that was endorsed by the Democratic Party three times to run for Congress, Jim? Right, and, and recruited and endorsed to run for supervisor in Grand Island? That guy? You mean that fucking underdog tale? Mm-hmm. Um, no, the truth of the matter is Nate McMurray is fucking lazy. He's a poster, folks. He's an internet 
guy. Okay, that's that's all his whole shtick is. Yes, he ran for Congress three times. He he knows what a, like a race is supposed to be, what it looked like, and he just doesn't want to do that shit anymore. No, he wants to be baby. He can't be bothered to run petitions for himself. Right. No one would want to. No one wanted to do that for him. Right. Right. And yeah. so, you know, with the, uh, the very thought of him walking around a neighborhood and talking to people, I think, disgusted him. Yeah. And, or, well, yeah, because he knows what they're going to say to him when he gets to the door <laughs> um, or, or, or even organizing to get like, you know, he complained about like, oh, it's so on- onerous to get p- signatures. I believe he needs 2000 signatures uh, for Democrats in Erie County, where there's like 270,000 Democrats. That's 2000 signatures is if you're a serious candidate, actually isn't that many. You know, I know a lot of candidates who get that many signatures by themselves, especially the first time they run before they get uh, sort of systemic support. And so, like, if he wanted to run a real insurgent campaign, he would do it. Does he think that two years ago, India Walton was able to get those signatures for the city of Buffalo for mayor and she got some sort of, like, support? No, she did the work. or She yeah. got it. She organized and she they did it. they did the work, you know. Uh, she's going to do it again this year for Mastin. Like they're going to organize, they're going to do the work, and you know, like yeah, he laments that like you can't like there are some states where like if you want to run for office, all you have to do is pay like a seventy five dollar fee and you're on the ballot. And he laments that. Well, you're already crying about not having money, Nate. Like you're you're right. you're you know like pick one. And and it it it's it is it's laziness. It's he just he feels entitled. He just wants it to be given to him. Um, I mean, uh, I, I like he's a very much a poster child for like he, this is a a white male and who happens to be an attorney and a like a business executive, and wow, woe is me! Life is so hard for me as as a as a well off, well to do white guy who lives in the suburbs. Hard to feel sorry for him. Well, right, and we talked about on here, Jim, the constituencies that he was ostensibly chasing wanted nothing to do with him like none of the left wing circles none of the you know the dsa crowd or anybody you consider really left of the dial they all thought he was a fucking clown he's a loser he's lost congress three times once against convicted felon the guy is damaged goods already yeah and he has no coherent fucking other than mark polencar's mishandled the blizzard and the stadium deal he has no real coherent um plan of action at no point did you ever read a nate mcmurray tweet and think oh this guy is somebody i'd want in charge well the the other thing is that like you know this constituency of people left of the dial that is generally people who live in the city right it's you know you don't have a lot of leftists in like the second ring suburbs you know you have first ring and the city i think is where you'll find most of them most of whom were disgusted with the mayor and how he handled the blizzard and how he's handled pretty much everything in the last 20 years and by attacking Poland cars, McMurray basically aligned himself with the mayor. What a good way to alienate the only people you think are going to support you. I mean, at this point, again, this was like all of like maybe two months, Jim, where Nate McMurray decided on this absolutely insane campaign for county executive completely flamed out probably burned pretty much every bridge and bit of goodwill that he has here in buffalo in the political community um just keep posting dude just fucking keep posting speaking of posting can we talk about the prince post (laughs) we sure can my two favorite posts of like the last like week one right before he dropped out and then and then this prince post the one where he was at an arcade 
in the uh, him and his son time traveled to the 1980s when arcades existed. Filed under shit that never happened. Uh, and two guys came up to him and said that they hope he wins and they they hope he runs. Uh, which apparently he couldn't wait to disappoint them by dropping out like the next day. Uh, and and then and then this this tweet about like I'm in the Minneapolis airport and there's a seven foot tall statue of Prince, and uh, how Prince was like an awkward young man or something like that. But I bet if I went up to him and told him that there's going to be a seven foot statue in the airport, he'd say I know or some shit like that. His mind is so awesome the way his brain works and speaking of posting jim i mean look nate mcmurray drops out of the race but he's still taking pot shots at mark poland yeah cars. It, it's like it's like he never dropped out in the first place um he had a tweet that he was adding mark poland cars calling him marky marky right yeah hey marky hey marky oh, brother i still can't talk right after the fucking jaw thing i'm like Ugh. um hey marky uh whatever nonsense that he said he uh i mean he's awesome just keep posting dude yeah well i think the hey marky was about like uh stadium deal no it? it was about rail rail it was, oh, yeah of course it was it about was, rail it was why about not? yeah like be? Oh, yeah, why can't you know again rail, rail baron chairman mark right yeah because yeah because in order to install you know high-speed rail across the country that is up to the county executive of erie county new york uh, you know and like like uh, like i know like erie county has like a two billion dollar budget and nate is ex like ignoring that like 85 percent of that is already spent like there's like very little discretionary spending a lot of it is just a pass-through for the state to pay for like state programming like medicaid and food stamps and stuff like that He's basically acting as though, like, the entire thing is discretionary. And basically, like, in order to do high-speed rail in the county, you would have to be like, we'll fire all the employees in Erie County and spend the entire $2 billion budget this year on building high-speed rail. And we won't provide literally any other service. Close the parks, you know, social services, the courts. Everything is closed because we're putting in high-speed rail because that's the only thing we can afford to do with it. That's how much it costs. Great. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, so our Nate watch has ended. He is back to being private citizen Nate McMurray, fucking insane guy tweeting on the internet. We don't, I, you know, petition season's not over. He could try to he he could make an, another run at it. Surprises. If he makes another run at it, you know, we'll we'll keep you abreast of it. But we will. Uh, I think I think it's safe to say as long as he's not running for something, Jim, we can retire the Nate watch until he runs for something again. I don't know. I mean. I, uh, I don't know. I, he has some doozies every now yeah, and then. And, 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 I mean, and he's he's been part of the public sphere long enough that I, I think he's just, you know, like we wouldn't say like, you know, if if Chuck Schumer retired and then just decided to go on a crazy like Twitter post rants all the time, we wouldn't be like, well, he's private citizen Chuck Schumer. We're not going to talk about it anymore. That's fair. That's fair. All right. I'll tell you what. We'll we'll keep the listeners up to speed when Nate does something particularly egregious. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it, I mean, you talk about insane tweet rants. He does that shit every day, Jim. It's hard. It's almost impossible yeah, yeah. to keep up. Like we'd be literally every no. week would be the Nate McMurray show. No, no. It's, no. If you really want to keep up with it, you should join our discord. We have a Nate watch channel and you can mm -hmm. just you can keep track with it there because that's the only place that you can keep up with it up to date i i, I almost need to like I, I need to get some sort of like fellowship somewhere where i can just like spend my entire day following nate mcmurray Ah, <laughs> uh, well so hit me up ub with a fellowship so i can just be like the nate mcmurray scholar for you guys county executive nate mcmurray we hardly knew you hardly what knew program you. would they be in like anthropology anthropology <laughs> that's right <laughs> That's right. So in other news, Jim, we have um, somehow we are a locus for for shitheads, yeah. for fuckwits, 
uh, for ne'er do wells. You yeah. know, people just come to us. They they say, "Hey, we I want to come to Buffalo and just take a crap on your floor." Um, the latest dickhead to uh, be gracing us here in our our wonderful city, guy by the name of Michael Knowles, piece of shit. What the fuck is this guy's deal? Uh, he he just spoke at CPAC, the conservative bullshit that they, that they get together every year, um, where Trump gave like maybe the most unhinged speech of his career, which is really saying something. Uh, but Knowles literally said that we need to er- eradicate transgenderism in the in this country. Uh, and then, so when Rolling Stone did a headline that said, you know, uh, Michael Knowles, you know, we need to eradicate eradicate transgender people, he was like, "This is libellous." Well, your fucking quote was, "We need to eradicate transgenderism." What else? What else are you trying to say? Like, I, it's just, I, I can't believe that anybody would give him a platform, and yet, of course, he's coming to Buffalo, and I think he's coming to UB. And it's it's just right. a, it's a fucking a nightmare. I hope they put that down. I hope they tell him to stay home. So well, it's tickets are free. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, get free tickets and then don't go. Sponsored by the uh, Young uh, America's Foundation, a chapter at UB. Right. Yeah. They. I I knew some kids like that in college. You know, they uh, subscriptions to the Economist, like you know, the real faux intellectualism of all this. Um, because it it sounds like one of those things like and and this is aided and abetted by the way of of places like the new york times mm-hmm. um you know outlets that everybody's stroking their chin and talking about the trans issue and the trans problem and it's you know in a lot of ways very reminiscent of what we saw in this country regarding um you know our, our lgbtq friends mm-hmm. um and, and that includes trans people but you know it was more focused on like gay marriage in the the early 2000s or just gay people in the 90s 80s and 90s and we always come back to this point where you know there's some uh you know point dexter who's just like stroking his chin like hmm, we we have to see things both both sides and you know at the end of the day we're talking about human beings who nobody's they're not bothering anybody you know they're just trying to live their lives um and and unencumbered by all the societal backwash of garbage and and we just every day lay it on their doorstep not to mention the actual violence like the actual fucking violence that our transgender friends family people in our communities deal with now they have to deal with this intellectualized sanit you know sanitized uh filtered bullshit of violence we're just talking about them like they're fucking zoo animals right and, and then now you know you've got like ub the 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 like only research institution in the area providing a platform for a guy who is essentially doing a call to violence when you say when you use words like eradicate you are calling to violence right you that's you I mean you're saying the quiet part out loud michael knowles and like you're 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 trying to get people to do dirty work and to to harm intentionally harm maim or kill people when you, when you use eradicate you're you're not saying like we shouldn't be, you know, accepting. Eradicate is pretty fucking strong. I mean, you're using the same language you're talking about, like fucking vermin, right? Like, yeah. That, that's, and I don't, I don't say this lightly because I think a lot of people use this as like their extreme example. But that is Nazi shit. Like that yeah, is actual. Sure is. That is not like I don't say that kind of thing too often because I think that people throw it around a little bit too willy nilly. Like, oh, this is like Nazi, whatever, Nazi Germany. When you use phrases like "let's eradicate people," that is Nazi shit. Yeah, you know, and 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 yeah, I mean, and 
you know, this is against the, the national backdrop where you've got like, you know, states banning drag shows and, and shit like that and banning any public money being spent on, you know, medical treatment for trans individuals. There's a clearly a strong issue going on nationally with this. And yeah, you, you're right. You do have like fuckwits at the New York Times like, well, we need to hear both sides. Like, no, 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 no. What you need to hear is these are people and you treat them with respect and you care for them. And you, you like you treat any other person. And if you don't treat me like like it, 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 well, you're not being tolerant of my views. No, no. You don't have to be tolerant of being a, a, a piece of shit. Yeah, it's it's truly abysmal. And it's something that, you know, somebody who I, I don't want to be like, oh, well, I have trans friends. So now I understand it better. But I think it's something where. You know, as I've grown into adult life and I see, um, you know, people who at this point feel like they're much better able to express themselves as people and feel, you know, live their lives with a level of freedom and happiness and joy that come with finding their gender identity or being able to express it properly against the backdrop of other people who want to literally eradicate them like mm-hmm. we're not we're not exaggerating like they are using the, the words eradicate they want to take them out they want to eliminate them and yes with violence like mm-hmm. that is violence um it's sickening it's just you know i we, we don't get too up in arms here about a lot of stuff because you know a lot of it's like all right shit had local politicians like nate mcmurray or whatever but now we have actual like hey let's get rid of all the fucking trans people mm-hmm. and fuck you dude yeah yeah, yeah. piece oh. of fucking trash Anyway, moving on, Jim. Yeah, to the local. Uh, <laughs> back back to the uh, back to the more local stuff here. So, Jim, I have news for you. Byron Brown still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Despite Nate McMurray uh, being a fan of his. Now you might wonder. I already knew Byron Brown sucks. What did he do this time? Well, this is something that's been going on for a while. Um, From our boy, Jeff Kelly. Jeff Kelly. Yes, investigative post reporter Jeff Kelly uh, got us hip to this. Three point three point six million in um, was it be- uh, value from foreclosed properties? Yes. So when we we talked to Jeff about this a while back, yeah, and the idea was okay. So these and go listen to that episode if you're not sure. But if you're lazy, we're lazy too. We'll just readers digest here for you. Uh, basically, these foreclosed properties, the city foreclosed on them. Uh, they there was a certain amount of value that in the sale of those properties that the previous residents, the previous owners should be entitled to. Correct. They are not receiving that value they're for re- those properties. They're not receiving any. They're receiving nothing. The city says, we foreclosed on a motherfucker. It's ours now. Right. What it, The city is supposed to be able to keep like what money was owed them, why it went into foreclosure, the back taxes and that's right. like that the city is allowed to keep that amount, but then anything excess of that is supposed to go to the original property owner. And the city's just like, nah, finders keepers shut up. And if you don't think this is like a decided redistribution of wealth, by the way, just think about the things that the city does spend money on and the things that the city does incentivize. Cause it's certainly not, I don't know. Uh, let's say the water supply, right? Like they're not, they don't really give a shit about that, but they're always bending over backwards, Jim, just to throw money at whatever dipshit business owner. Well, well, well that's, that's what I was going to say. Is like, you know, these foreclosed properties are generally from individuals that they're, t- they're taking these properties from, and they're taking money from them. You know, we hear, you know, regular reports of, you know, 
major developers like say Sinatra being behind on their taxes, they never take his properties and don't no, give he, him the money. He's always good. It, it's always okay for him to to kind of slide for a while, but you know, it's somebody like in this country, at least up until recently, where now it's almost impossible for people to buy property. The one major way that people could build generational wealth in this country was for somebody to buy a property and then transfer that property and the, or the value of that property down to their heirs. And, you know, the city is saying, nah, fuck it. That's our money now. You know, like what the, you know, if, if they want to just take over, take over, over every property, like just <laughs> make it a communist paradise here. That seize every property. No individual property rights in the city of Buffalo. Everybody just gets assigned a home. We could get rid of homelessness and uh, individual property ownership at the same time. Yeah, you're onto something there. Yeah. Well, and, but it really shows like how the city views a lot of these people who, you know, uh, had their properties foreclosed on. And look, I get it. If you are the city of Buffalo, if you're Byron Brown, I'm sure there's a fair amount of those property owners where you had to foreclose on their property where. Perhaps they didn't take care of them, you know, like, but, uh, but they were able to sell them. They were able to sell them. I, I, but I'm just saying like part of it, I understand I'm slightly sympathetic to, Hey, these were properties in disrepair. They were, you know, we had to foreclose on them. the city ultimately took them over. I, I get that. There's a, a measure of the public being owed something from those people for what the city had to do. But also, there's a lot of people who just had foreclosed properties because I don't know. There's a fucking pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like there, like people lost jobs, they lost their livelihoods. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are on the cusp of falling down the chute, mm-hmm. who got pushed over the edge thanks to a, a whole host of reasons the past couple of years. And those are the people on the fringe of society who need that. Like they they purchase those homes with the hopes that hey we could get some of the wealth like this is we, we bought into the promise of home ownership here mm-hmm. in America. We, you know, they didn't even get in, get back what they put in. Right. Right. Which is, I think the big crime. Right. And it was theft. <laughs> yeah. And what it really, you're, you're right. I mean, forget about the appreciated value over that, whatever time period they had the house. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and what, what this really smells of is that, you know, Byron is desperate for money because he's mismanaging the city finances. You know, nobody really knows what the city's books look like because anybody who questions gets stonewalled and they they don't get any reports. Uh, But this smells like he's just desperate for any kind of money to keep the city afloat because he doesn't want another control board. He doesn't, he doesn't want anybody coming in and actually exposing and looking at the books. And there's a lot of things. I mean, and, and you're right, Jim, like Byron and the city uh, in general are very, tight-lipped about the finances but there's always sort of like smoke coming around what is happening at the city of buffalo you know there's always like things that you're like huh that seems a little weird like remember um the city and their pushback against the senecas downtown and that there's money owed and there's always these things where you're like hmm that's weird. Why is the city of Buffalo trying to so tight-fistedly hold on to every fucking dollar? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, at the end of Byron Brown's term, perhaps, um, whenever he leaves or if we ever get an investigation on this, we probably fucking won't. Let's be real. But if we ever do get an honest, thorough accounting of Byron Brown's tenure and, and how money was managed for City Hall, I think it's going to be shocking. I, I think we're in for another control board. It's really bad. 
have we'll, we'll have fun with that. Uh, and, when and the time we're, comes. We'll, get, we'll get a control board, and Byron will just be cruising around in his El Camino listening to Ryan. Renegade. Anyway, speaking of renegades, speaking of Ren- Howard Schultz, baby, <laughs> our favorite renegade, dumb Starbucks, dumb Starbucks. Or no, it's just regular Starbucks. Yeah, it's not the Nathan Fielder bit. Mm. But but we might as well call them dumb Starbucks, right? Jim. Or uh, whatever Starbucks and idiocracy, where it's also like a strip joint. <laughs> Starbucks. So, if you if you're a listener to the show, or you just have I don't know any media literacy, you know that the Starbucks workers uh, unionized. They've had a protracted fight with, um, you know, with with management at Starbucks, and it has been taken to the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB. Jim said Starbucks, you done goofed. Well, it was it was a federal judge who actually set, came in and was like a federal administrative judge, and it was like just in Buffalo that Starbucks violated labor law like hundreds of times. They, they demanded that they had to rehire a bunch of workers they fired. They told them they had to reopen a store that they closed because they closed it just to be punitive. Yeah, the kiosk in the Galleria. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, th- I mean, it was, I mean, it's a major victory for the Starbucks Workers United. Um, and they it, had to get Howard to go on video. Yes. And explain all the workers' rights. Yes. Which I thought was sweet. Yep. He had, he had to make a, a, a hostage video. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, for, for my money, it's, you know what? The, the United States, we have laws in this country. Uh, we have stringent laws, in fact, about workers' rights and, you know, what the role of companies um, and corporations are and what, you know, what uh, is owed to, to workers. And so, like, we point out Starbucks because they're just like so egregiously like f- like fucking violating them. And right. you know, look, there's a lot of companies in this country that adhere to those fucking uh, laws. Starbucks adheres to these laws in Europe, right? They have right. they have stronger labor laws in Europe than we have here in the United States, and Starbucks abides by them there. But now they don't want to abide by them here, right? Right. Well, that's my point. Is like there's a lot of companies that like take the shit seriously. There's a lot, you know. These are this is real steel shit, and Starbucks just flagrantly, flagrantly violate um, these labor laws here in the United States. And you're just like, okay, Howard Schultz, you are not bigger than the United States government. Mm-hmm. I, you are not bigger than uh, you know the American people. Like, y- you've coasted by for way too long on this attitude of like, well, we're Starbucks, we're the biggest coffee joint in the game. No, fuck you, dude. Like you, you there are laws you have to adhere to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have expectations in this country about how we treat people, how we treat workers. You need to adhere to those laws. Right. No, it's, I mean, this This gets back to, you know, marginal tax rates and, you know, exploding CEO ratios of salary compared to worker salary that, you know, really have just skyrocketed uh, exponentially since like the 70s. Uh, and, and the entitlement, again, it was like Nate's entitled, like the entitlement of the CEOs and C-suite uh, individuals for a lot of these multinational corporations and even, you know, just national corporations feel like they're entitled to make hundreds of times what the minute, like the lowest paid worker in their organization is. Um, when they're like, you know, realistically, like I think, you know, you should be, you should feel pretty comfortable on like maybe 10 to 15 times 
what the lowest paid worker, and even that's pretty pretty generous. You know, if your lowest paid worker in your company makes forty thousand, uh, you're probably okay on six hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, for me, it's here's the rules of the game. You know, like here are the rules that we put forth that are no joke. This is the federal government saying you need to do this and flagrantly violating them and brazenly doing so and and almost daring the Biden administration, daring the National Labor Relations Board to come in. Like, what are you going to do about it? Right. Just a stick in the eye. Um, and, you know, and I'm not obviously it's the federal judge that did this, but really this comes, you know, President Biden is like, OK, let's right. go, Howard. Yeah, let's fucking go, bud. Yeah. I mean, you know, which we were taught, we talked about before, like we were curious to see how the Biden administration would handle this mm-hmm. on a national level. And the fact that, you know, the case was based on what we saw here in Buffalo, you know, obviously the story this had huge national implications to begin with, but now it's you know, very local to us. It's uh, what a watershed moment. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it's just the start of, I'm sure, federal administrative judges telling Starbucks, get fucked. Like over and over, you know, like, you know, that they, they Starbucks fucked around and found out, right? Yep. Um, and so they are finding out all over the place now. And, you know, what they did in Buffalo, it started here in Buffalo, but they did these things all over the country. I mean, they closed one of the downtown Boston Starbucks because it wanted to unionize. It was like the busiest fucking Starbucks in the Northeast. And they shut it down. The, they're going to be told that they have to reopen it. Like they're going to get forced to reopen it. And you know, like they're going to have to find a spot. Cause that spot's probably already been taken. And like, now they're going to be forced to fucking like really pony up a bunch of money because they did it out of spite. Yep. I mean, at, at the core of it, that's what it is. Right. Is how, how dare these, uh, these simple workers mm-hmm. question our authority. Yeah. How dare these vermin. Right. <laughs> well, we'll obviously, uh, Keep a lookout for Howard Schultz and Starbucks getting owned um, on the daily. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for more of that. But we have um, a little bit more local. I mean, Starbucks is very much local, but we have a little bit more sad local news. Um, Friends of the pod, Cafe Godot, Jim, uh, they will be closing the doors in what, seven or eight weeks. Yeah, end of April. Um, I think April 29th is the last day. Um, you know, so sad, uh, you know, Obviously, you know, try to get there, uh, give our best uh, to Roy and Kevin, support them as, as they're, you know, they're finally, as, as they're closing their doors. But uh, Cafe Godot, a great spot, um, especially for those of you who are uh, vegetarian or vegan. You yeah. Know, really, they really put that forward and, and didn't just offer like, you know, here's a pecan salad. Like they offered like good, good meals. I mean, it really, for me, it's just like, you want cool shit like that. Like, you want good food. Like, mm-hmm. You want really good food. You want really good experiences. Like, you do have to go out there and fucking support mm-hmm. these businesses that, um, you know, are, are doing something that is different, is unique, but is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not too long after we're seeing the closing of Melting Point, right? Yeah. Like, it. unfortunately, this is... Um, you know, this is going to happen. I'm not, I'm not saying people didn't go to Cafe Godot or go to Melting Point. Mm-hmm. There could obviously be a whole host of reasons mm-hmm. why they're closing their doors. You know, you never, 
you never really know mm-hmm. what the backstory is unless you know you're intimately familiar or like unless you own the business or whatever but just as a general rule um i encourage you if there's a uh establishment that you're like wow this is fucking awesome um I, again unfortunately <laughs> fortunately unfortunately however you want to view it we do live in a capitalistic society where they need to keep their lights on you know they need cafe godot needs to sell sandwiches melting point needs to sell sandwiches you know um so I encourage you to support those businesses and, and realize when you have something nice, you, mm-hmm. you recognize that before it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, along that line, like, you know, while it's, it's, it's too late to save melting point or Godot, you know, we've got stuff like bloom and Rose opening up a, a, a shop on main street, downtown in the theater district, uh, Southern junction, moving into the old black That's sheep right. on Connecticut. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when these places do make that move and they stop being pop-ups and they decide to, to put down roots in a brick and mortar, go to them, support mm-hmm. them. And especially for you, Re, I think you better go to Macy's and get that SpaghettiOs pizza. Ooh. Ooh. Support, support Macy's and their Ooh. spaghetti. Oh, SpaghettiOs experiment. Baby, you know, I'll always support Macy's. <laughs> you know, I got you fam. I will always support Macy's Pizza. Uh, they don't sponsor us at all yet, but we just love them. But you know, you know who I do support who's, who sponsors us? Community Beer Works. <laughs> Game Day Beer. We love the. I'll I, I learn the ad copy for it someday. Um, we're drinking CBW now. But yeah, no, support those businesses. You don't know what you got till it's gone. So don't wait till it's gone. Mm-hmm. Just go there now, wherever you like, the place yeah. you like, go there and do it. Well, one place I suggest you don't go ever. What's the what the hell is that? Russell's, <laughs> Russell's, Russell's. Well, of course, I, I can't remember if it's Salvatore's or Russell's. At this uh, Sal- point. Sal- I well, so there's a, notably a schism between the two. Right? right. Yeah. We, maybe we should we should get someone to talk about that at some point. Notably, that is an interesting story. Yeah. That, uh, we'll talk about it off air. Yeah. Patreon only. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. Yeah. Russell's. Uh. Had has uh, a little park in front of it, uh, commemorating soldiers, firefighters police and it was vandalized this week um pretty pretty extensively yeah. who the uh, fuck would do that jim i don't know and the thing is like if you look at like the pictures like on social media where like they're they're investigating or looking at all the damage there are signs everywhere saying that you know you're on camera so like i assume that these people will probably be caught but i don't know how good the cameras are too like maybe the, maybe the signs are just they thought would be enough of a deterrent maybe there are no cameras I bet you there are cameras there, but like, are they casino quality where you can tell if somebody's counting cards or not? Or like, is it like, did they buy like the $60 camera from Rite Aid and put it, put it up somewhere? Yeah. I don't know. Is this why we can't have nice things? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like it was a pretty gaudy park, but I mean, like it was, it was a nice gaudy. sentiment. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, and there was no reason to, to destroy it. You know, it's hoodlums out in Lancaster can't control themselves. Was it a bunch of shithead kids, do you think, maybe? I, I would guess, you know, like probably all hopped up on snow caps and Mountain Dew from the Regal. Mm-hmm. And uh, with their menthol binkies. Right, with their menthol binkies. We need a cheek to walk a tough guy to figure out who did this. Put our man Binks on the job. Right. Well, that is, they I were know, at. I know just the guy. They were at, they, or maybe they were like, they, they were at King Crab right over there. And they. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's they had just too much seafood. Oh yeah, they couldn't control themselves. Yeah, maybe they had that Twizzlers with that red dye. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first case for Buffalo style banks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim, you know 
we move on from hoodlums. Um, you know, the, we, we obviously had some some vandalism, uh, but unfortunately for us, the National Grid substations from the blizzard, this was, uh, you know, this was an infrastructure breakdown. This wasn't people vandalizing the substations. Mm-hmm. We found out something recently about the substations. Yeah, uh, National Grid themselves admitted that the substations that fell during the blizzard weren't built to withstand extreme cold and snow. Whoops. Seems like a poor plan in the city of buffalo maybe the single most united states city synonymous with blizzards and snow nobody's got plan for blizzards around here right i i know like it it, is byron brown secretly the ceo of national grid wouldn't surprise me i mean look to be to be fair i think we're going to see a lot of stuff like this nationally with the advent of climate change right like now we are seeing not like we weren't seeing effects of climate change previously, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to see more and more with extreme temperatures. Um, you know, Texas was kind of the poster child for this mm-hmm. last year because they're like, oh, we run on our own grid and we weren't ready for extreme cold and extreme heat. And it's like, well, haha, Texas. But now I think the rest of the country, as we deal with the <laughs> unintended consequences of climate change, I mean, look, should National Grid have been prepared for uh, extreme cold, their substations. Yeah, I mean, probably, but also like we're dealing with such weird and varying temperatures now that I don't think we've ever seen to this degree. I mean, there there is part of it is even in a state as you know blue or democratic as as New York, you know, there's there's not the public regulation of the utilities that there probably should be, uh, where they force them to to dip, you know dip into their profits and. Um, actually make sure that they're making like the right upgrades all the time, you know, but um, I mean, New York state is certainly better than a lot of the Southern states where there's like no regulation. Um, I mean, we had that NIPA settlement, right? That is paying for all the nice stuff around here. Mm -hmm. There is that. I don't think other states do that. No, I I really don't know what to make of it. And I think, you know, I'll do credit to national grid. I think during the blizzard itself, while obviously it was, uh, a huge fucking issue that their power grids and their substations went down during the blizzard. They were very responsive. Yeah. You know, they were out there. Um, I know, you know, they were posted up 24 seven really during that blizzard to make sure that power was restored. Right. I mean, we, we talked about that around like right after the blizzard that like, you know, they probably had the best response of anybody. Certainly better than the city. Oh yeah. <laughs> light years ahead of the city. Uh, you know, and you know, like national grid just had, you know, the blizzard was such an extreme event that they just had, it was, it was actually physically impossible to, to do work sometime, um, you know, in, in the, the midst of that blizzard. Yeah. So <sighs> national grid do better, uh, <laughs> or just be prepared for more extreme weather with right. your substations going forward. Guys in the, uh, in the wide world of sports yep. and in the less wide world of Buffalo sports and even the smaller world of Buffalo sports media, um, we have uh, the the end of an era on the radio, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Howard Simon retiring. Yeah, he hung it up. Howard Simon, man, it been uh, a fixture of of my life for pretty much my whole life, my yeah. adult life anyway. Yeah, a lot of people talking about his tenure on WGR for eighteen years, but you know he's been in the scene well before that. Right, Empire Sports. Right, Empire Sports. You know, back when he had more hair. WBEN. <laughs> you know, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff he's been into. Yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah, he's really been a, a fixture around here. Um, and, 
Um, you know, it, I mean, he's and he's not native to Buffalo. I think you know he, yeah. he downstate guy who you know, came up to Buffalo and um, you know made his home here. Um, and, and really, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't know that anybody really hates Howard Simon. There's other people on WGR people hate, but I don't know that anybody ever really hated Howard Simon. No, I don't think so. You know, I mean, I, he was always pretty affable and and pretty likable, and you know, he had opinions, but like, you know, he didn't call you stupid if you didn't agree with him. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's very much synonymous with, um, you know, Buffalo sports. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and he's one of those people where if you ask me to pick like the best Buffalo sports personalities or you know sports voices, like for me, John Murphy's number one. You know, I just think he's fantastic at what he does. Um, and th- there's a lot of great people involved here in Buffalo sports. Howard probably wouldn't come to the top of my mind, not because he's not talented, just because, like you said, Jim, he is very affable, mm-hmm. very likable, um, almost like, I don't want to say harmless, but he's, you know, just a very friendly voice, disarming in a way. Mm-hmm. But now, like, reflecting on his career, and you know, Rick Jenneret obviously would be the other mm-hmm. one when I think of like sports people, but now like his, his time's coming to an end. I'm like, Holy shit. Howard Simon was a big part of, you know, my life as a sports fan here in Buffalo. Right. And, and Howard Simon was part of the sports media here in Buffalo who kind of bridged the gap from like those glory days of the Buffalo news sports section where you had like Larry Felser and Jim Kelly and, you know, all these other hall of fame sports writers um, there um, and, and then to the new generation where you have, you know, Bucky Gleason and, and the GR guys and, um, you know, Howard Simon kind of bridged that gap and he was there for both eras. Yeah. My favorite iteration of that show is, uh, when, you know, it's Jeremy White, Nick Mandola, mm-hmm. fr- friend, friend of pod, Nick Mandola, you know, Nick for a long time, Dan Hagar, one of my buddies, um, he was fantastic on there as well. So I love that era mm-hmm. of GR. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to a lot of it circa was it late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah, lots of Bills raps. Lots. Of, oh, the Bills raps are so good. Yeah. We got to get Mendola on here. Yeah. I fucking love. He's, right. a, he's a great dude. Right. Uh, the, the His Hey There Trent Edwards. To the <laughs> tune of Hey There Delilah. <laughs> With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in, in the tailgate. And I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and, and just really sharp. It, it takes the classic American lager and, and we, we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do and good things happen. All right, and we are in the snake pit this week with uh, one of my very good friends, uh, Robert Rush, Bobby, what's up, buddy? Hello, how you doing? You know, I was I was um, rolling around in my head, Bob. I was like, how do I approach this interview? Like, because I, I don't want to uh, be too jokey because you know you are a very talented artist and um, you're like an esteemed artist here, but you're also my boy. So it's like I'm not that esteemed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you are. Um, well, let's talk about your backgrounds. Let's talk about your your credentials as you have uh, an upcoming show. Uh, exhibition riso riso or riso what, what do we yeah, yeah yeah how we pronounce it well i said you could people say it both ways and i don't really correct them either way it's uh the machine i bought is called a risograph printer or a risograph printer we're gonna call it riso riso because it's my my name is kind in there yeah, so yeah, yeah. we're Perfect. gonna throw a y in there too so yeah so these are old um printers and copiers and they were made in the 80s in japan 
what the machine does is it takes the whole process of screen printing and kind of automates it inside. So it prints on flat stock like paper, but over time they've been in, you know, schools and churches and businesses, but they kind of went out of style or there's better ways to print and artists kind of found them and found that they do some cool things with color and layering that uh, they really like for making zines, posters and artworks. So they've bought them and fixed them up. And uh, I have the first one in Buffalo. So that's pretty cool. Sick. Um, I think there's one in UB, but they're not using it yet or they just got it or something. So I'm still staking the claim to that. (laughs) (laughs) So Rob, you yeah. are a graduate, um, 2016, the uh, School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the art scene in Chicago, I would have to imagine, is, is dramatically different than than what we see in Buffalo. You're from Buffalo. I mean, you're, right. you know, your family's here, your friends are here. You came back to Buffalo. Um, talk to us a little bit about being an artist or on kind of the, you know, in the art scene or on the vanguard of the art scene here in, in Western New York. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chicago is a lot bigger than Buffalo, obviously, but I really liked it when I was there because it reminded me of Buffalo so much. It just felt like everything you like about Buffalo, but kind of expanded. And I actually said that to a buddy a couple of weeks ago and they were like, that sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, it's like Midwestern type of Northeastern feel to a city. People are very friendly there, but like everything is blown up and exploded, you know? Um, I went to the Art Institute of Chicago there. I got my BFA. And then I moved back in 2017 because there was a house on the west side that my grandfather owned. And uh, he went to a nursing home and it was just kind of open. So at first, I thought I would stay there the whole time because I really enjoy Chicago. But, you know, it took some convincing of Hannah, my girlfriend, and because she's from Chicago. So we moved back. And with my brother, we started this whole project that turned into a can of worms, totally renovating the place down to every like stud and nail, ripping it out. And uh, yeah, I've been here ever since. I didn't answer your question about the art scene, but no, no, <laughs> but it's no, a little bit of background. It, it kind of does. Cause I mean, I just thinking about being like a normal person, right? Cause you, what you just described is like normal people shit, you yeah, know, like, Hey, yeah. move back, had to renovate the house, had, you know, whatever. Um, all the while, like, being an artist and get, you know, getting your art out there. Um, it's fascinating to me, actually. Like you, it, I think that a lot of times in our head, like the art world is like, oh, you know, these people who are doing weird artistic <laughs> shit. I mean, they are, but also they have normal lives. Right, right, right. Like they got real shit going on. I was distracted. I was thinking of the Big Lebowski. Do you know the scene with, uh, <laughs> I forgot the character's name, but the woman, she's flying through Maud. the air. Maud. Yeah. Maud. <laughs> she's flying through the air and she's just like spilling paint <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Just like this is the female form. Does that does that offend you, Lebowski? So you're saying so, that's what you do? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's me. That's me. I just uh, I haven't found the crane yet. To, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like I took over the house and like you're you're doing real shit. That's like you're out of school. You're out of like this little kind of like vacationy fantasy where you just get to study your own whatever you are interested in, and like you have to work and figure out your life. So doing art. At times, like I was in conflict with it, where it feel it felt a little bit silly to me, you know. Like this is very important to me, but generally, I would say people don't value it as much. So I'm living with my mom, who lives two houses down, which is kind of a blessing. While I was doing the house, but I'm back in my mom's house. I'm back in my hometown. I have to get this 
house done that like I'm in conflict with my brother who's helping me. You know, my girlfriend's like, why did I move here <laughs> to live back in your mom's spare bedroom? But, you know, and then it's like, well, I got this show and I kind of want to take like the weekend off to like do drawings. And it felt very like bad, I guess. <laughs> so there's like a uh, internal like butting heads with myself, I guess. But what well, and that and that conflict, yeah. I mean, so. And, and that conflict, I think, kind of shows up in your work for my money. Um, you, know, you talk about it's kind of absurd. And I think a lot of um, your art that I've seen anyway, uh, it, it almost has like a cartoonish quality about it. Um, you know, a lot of the bios about you out there, Rob, it's like you are somebody who reacts to the form or like if there's something in the form that's worth reacting to. And so that kind of expressed itself in your work. And so a lot of uh, you know, a lot of your pieces kind of pull out for me. I'm like, it's almost like a cartoonish, like absurdity. Is that sort of, I, I guess I was, I was chewing over in my head, like how to ask this, but like, uh, and maybe this is just like an art school 101. I sound like a fucking moron here when I, when I ask this sort of thing, but for, for you approaching art, is it like, is it like an intellectual, like, okay, a top down, like I have an idea of like what I want to do with my art, what I want it to look like. Or is it like a vibes-based thing where it's just like, I'm feeling the vibes. It, it's, you know, not as intellectual, but it's more like this is coming from a place of feeling or is it a mix of both? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with vibes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no my, friend, my friend from school recently visited uh, during that horrible storm we had. And uh, he was supposed to leave like in three days, but he was like stuck in my house for like 10 or whatever. So we went to school at the Art Institute and uh, he's now in London at the Royal uh, College of Art in London. He's like, oh, I miss seeing your stuff, man. In uh, in grad school, there's too much brain, and we need some gut. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's that's kind of backhanded, but I also like I appreciate it, you know. <laughs> I don't know. The way I approach art is kind of I try to get all the building blocks in order, and that's kind of a way to ignore the real emotions or maybe you know intellectual ideas I'm dealing with. That's like avoidant and then kind of i hope it comes together all at the end so i make these kind of it's hard to explain <laughs> no no <laughs> you I know mean, if you're in a studio i can point to things and it's like right now i'm just making bricks out of my old work of paper like shredding them down making bricks and i'm like i have a residency at hunt gallery which is downtown and we're supposed to create all these big works and it's like overwhelming so i'm just i'm biding time <laughs> so yeah and then at the end it's like Something happens. I don't know. That's magic. When, when is it? When is it magic for you? Like when is it? What is that kind of feeling of magic where you can like pull back and say, "I'm done." Like three to five years after I make the piece, because like, <laughs> it's uh again like it feels like shameful or embarrassing. Like when you're doing something artistic, like it kind of it feels like being naked in front of people. I've heard that's like the closest thing I could describe to that, but. You know, you do this show and you're always thinking, like, if you could do something better, like, you know, talk about it better or write about it better. But, you know, it's it's usually after the fact when I reflect on things that comes around and then that's where it builds on. Now, how did you um, how did you get uh, hooked up with Hunt? Let's see. I saw them post in uh, on Instagram that they were doing a residency and the gallerist there, Christina Buscararo. I went to school with for one year. She's also from Buffalo. We were kind of like on the same dorm flat as each other. And uh, she left to do something else. 
and then we kind of reconnected after that. But it's a real nice space. It's across from Public Espresso, Hotel Lafayette, that area. So yeah, I applied and you get a nice studio in the basement and we do similar things where we have like artist talks and meetings in the basement. They have a lot of space. It's really nice. The, uh, the upcoming uh, Risa Riso show. Yeah. Now that's uh, through BICA, B-I-C-A, Buffalo Institute of Contemporary Art. Right. Yep. So talk to us a little bit about that because this is a very fascinating uh, art movement here in Buffalo. Yeah, BICA, last summer they... Again, found out through Instagram, they held a meeting that was like, are you interested in, in joining this like alternate like vision of art education in Buffalo? And it interests me, and I showed up to the meeting, and uh, Nando and Emily, who are the owners, curators, like co-gallery people of BICA, put on this pitch that's like, we want something kind of separate from UB, Buff State, like the bigger art schools in Buffalo to kind of give a different perspective of continuing education. We we wanted to make it free as long as people were committed to coming and like bringing uh, some of their own rigor and interest to it. You know, they kind of made us sign a thing that is like, yeah, if you're going to show up, we're going to do this together. And it's alternating every other week right now. It's very free form, but this is just kind of the model we've been on is like every... First week, we have a reading group and discussion, and then second week is someone or a couple of people put their work up, and we do a critique. And these are people ranging from some that have no formal art education to some people doing PhDs and all types of disciplines that are interested in something around the art world. I found it, I found it interesting because you're not paying for it. The people that come and show up are giving more... You know, like when you're in class, you're just like, I want to get through, just kind of <laughs> get to the next one. And yeah, the people here, I think they're they're putting their best into it. So it kind of, it's cultivating that vibe, as we say. <laughs> I'm curious about, and that, that's, that all sounds fucking awesome. I'm curious, what uh, what kind of material are you reading or what is, you know, what is the, the discussion centered around? First, it was a lot of pretty heavy theory. You know, this is one of these situations where I don't want to like say too much and okay. say, say the wrong thing sure. because I'll sound, Got it. sound like an idiot and I'm already rambling. But, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like, uh, yeah, theory, art, art talks, okay. art, art interviews. Um, now, and, and you as a as a as a vibes, as a gut based, as your friend <laughs> in London might say, um, artist. I mean, does that like theoretical stuff, is that theoretical underpinning? Like, do you have to? know that stuff like do you have to know those rules before you can break them or is it more like suggestions like how do you because again like a lot of your um art and and i encourage our listeners by the way to go to riso riso but also check out uh rob's art because it is it is fascinating and um a lot of it is like like i said it has like almost said that surreal cartoon quality at times mm-hmm. and especially with the risograph it almost has like an air of like a pop art to it it's mm-hmm. similar to you know not to you're probably like hearing about warhol but it does have that quality but what what's so interesting to me with warhol's work um you know if, if that's your frame of reference here listener with the pop art stuff they're probably all way more fucking classy than i am <laughs> i don't know shit about shit but for me like the warhol stuff it was almost like an exaggeration of real life stuff like you know we're, we're talking the soup cans we're talking like real life commercialism um being put almost in like a cartoonish 
pop art style being thrown back at you. Mm. But yours is more like, it's like absurd, absurd cartoonish being thrown at you in that style. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's yeah. like being blown up at you like a Warhol, like, like something pop art, but it's ab- absurdity. Uh, but there is an internal coherent logic if you really like kind of pull at it. There's like a lot of graphic underpinnings that come to it and shape and color and you know form and like the graphic design type of background feel and i use screen printing a lot in my work whether it's like right now i'm printing on ceramic tiles that i'm making in the studio and firing those and uh you know printing on wood and i think that's where that kind of cohesion comes from sometimes yeah i think i think everything that is around me informs my work and i love doing the readings and theoretical and just having conversations with other artists as well. Because like I, like I said before, it all comes back around. Like I don't notice until like three, four or five years later, how, you know, cause it sometimes it takes time to stew and to really think about. And some of these things you have to read through four five, six, seven times. It feels like it's like that absurdity. Cause I almost think of it as our, our brains now, you know, Maybe in the time of, of Warhol, for instance, right? You were being overwhelmed with like advertisements for your household items. Like it, it wasn't so much the the form wasn't so much. It, it's funny though. You mentioned graphic design because we are inundated constantly now in the internet age. You are all your brain is always seeing different forms of graphic design. Yeah, it, and it's curated, right? Like especially in this Instagram world, in um, you know, where the time where it's like. Uh, consumerism and you're seeing like there's some graphic designer who has spent like 20 hours on a font yeah yeah, yeah. like they're like they're just like zeroing in on what is the right amount of shading um you know to sell like fucking t-shirts and uh you know it's that's a bit of my background as well yeah Yeah, printing printing t-shirts i think at my last show i had a whole line of of shirts come out as well. So I, I work at positive approach. If you're familiar, printed your shirt, nickel city. <laughs> they, they print these shirts. Yeah. 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 Yep. I took a whole class on Warhol and I, I don't even know what I came out the other end with. It's like, <laughs> does this guy really care about anything? Who knows? Ooh, he's so, <laughs> such a mystery. You know, he, he was, he wanted fame. Most of all, he wanted to be celebrity. And I think that's like, you know, the Coke can where it's like the queen drinks Coke and like the poorest person drinks coke it's kind of like something that levels out like class a little bit and i think that's sometimes how uh graphic design can serve people it's always a fallback for me to kind of get into this like uh digital world but trying to work with my hands more and and yeah put some more of that gut as we were talking about into the work and uh it's a constant struggle of never feeling like you're finished with something because you keep evolving and that changes and informs your work as well and what you want to do well and and that's interesting too like the screen printing is that tactile element right like it's not just you're designing something on the computer and it's a computer-based image it's like you're doing it like manually like there's manual art that's being involved with the screen printing here right 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 and that's what the risograph does but it kind of yeah pulls it back to an automatic process so like with the riso it's like all digital files that go through but the process is the exact same. So there's these big ink, ink drums that are about, you know, 18 inches. And it's instead of like toner, like in your house com- uh, printer, it's pushing ink through holes that are burnt into films. 
So these films wrap around the drum and there's a, like a, a laser that goes over top and whatever it, it's yes and no information. So either an open hole or a closed hole. And that's how you get your image and whatever burns a hole in that's where the ink comes through and it imprints on the paper. So it's also, it's automate, it's automated, but it's a lot more tactile than, you know, something you would get from Kinko's. So, <laughs> and I think the colors are great too, because it's real ink that is vibrant and transparent and they mix and they off register and you get these funky things that hopefully if you come to the show, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. And, and some of the promo pieces I saw from, I mean, it's very, it's vibrant. It's bright. It, it feels very alive. What draws you to that? Cause I, I mean, I think it's fucking awesome. I think it's cool as shit, but what if uh, you as an artist, you know, like what is that uh, being drawn to those bright colors? Is, is that um, something, is that like a Rob rush of 2023 or is that a Rob rush? Like that is my calling as an artist. Like, do I like those bright colors or do I like them right now? I think it's uh, not wanting to have a boss and work anymore <laughs> because I see like the common sentiment. These yeah. Days, yeah. Trying there? to, trying to be self-sufficient in a way where I can, uh, you know, satisfy this artistic, uh, lifestyle or craving, but also, you know, support myself. And that was kind of my first step into doing this, taking out a loan, getting the machine, setting it up, having the show kind of demonstrating to the community what, what could be done. And they are in no way cash cows. Like you're getting nothing for like these prints that you make, but I think as long as I could support myself doing something that I like and maybe bringing screen printing or any other handyman things that I could do, I think that's that's where it came from. But even before that, we were talking about like how the work has like a graphic or maybe cartooned uh, feeling around it. They're also great for making like zines and art books and posters, and that's kind of the world I'm in right now. So, you know... They're, they're really popular right now, Rizos, and they might not be in a couple of years, but that's fine because I think I'll find a way to incorporate it back in somehow. Now, you you had a zine a couple of years back, right? Is that, is that still ongoing or is it? I was doing a couple on, a couple different zines. When I moved to Buffalo uh, with my girlfriend, we didn't know how to access the art community. And uh, okay. we started a small art zine where we would just talk, we would uh, just cold reach out to artists talk to them see if they wanted to be in you know didn't have to pay anything i funded the whole thing myself screen printed it by hand in an edition of 200 it was called twofold and we just showed off the artwork and had a little artist statement or i wrote something about the person and had some like fake funny ads that hannah and i would come up with but it was a, a lot of labor and time and conflict between hannah and i about like <laughs> going back to the um you know your real life takes over and you're trying to do this art thing at the same time so those are con constantly rubbing up against each other but i think that was a way for me just to satisfy kind of like trying to butt my head into whatever art world was in buffalo that way but yeah they were expensive they took a lot of time and uh it was a lot of upkeep just for like two people to do on the side yeah, I, I know we, we talked a little bit about it, but I mean, okay, you are, you're from Buffalo, but you went away, you very much feel like an outsider, I, I would have to imagine, like in the art community at first, um, flash forward to 2023, and now you are, look, you're in residence over at Hunt, you have, you know, with Bica, you have a, an exhibition, I mean, it sounds like you've come a long way, 
uh, in terms of just becoming ensconced in the art community. Uh, that doesn't sound like it was very easy to do. Um, it was very easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just to push back a little bit that like a lot of it is just showing up and, and, uh, giving the respect to the community that, you know, that you come with and not taking things for granted. And like, I think that goes a long way with people and, um, your work has to be okay. It doesn't have to be great, but, but you know, it's just like, it's like doing the work and, and having the conversations and showing up. That's part of it. Yeah. But I mean, it was difficult at first because I thought I was coming back to my hometown and I didn't know where to put my foot in really. So, I mean, it took since 2017 to slowly start meeting people and starting to feel like, there were others that I could bounce ideas off or people that were thinking of similar things as I was. And that's really encouraging. Now, Risa Riso, March 24th. Yes. And it is at, uh, what space is that Rob? That is in the Essex art center. So, you know, where Essex pub is, it's right behind there. There's a couple businesses, some, uh, residential lofts and some art spaces. So the Bica Gallery is in the far left corner, and there was a spot that opened up early or late fall that all of us kind of went in together on and rented out. We've had some rent parties that have uh, been pretty lucrative for us, and also uh, Nando and Emily, the gallery owners, applied for grants. And so we've been keeping this thing floating right now. So it's at 30 Essex Street. Okay, and yeah, yeah. and if yeah, that's right off of Richmond, uh, yeah, Richmond, Rhode Island. Yeah, it's um, kind of tucked back a little bit, but yeah. And and where so um, if you wanted to buy tickets to that, where would you uh, where would you go to? Yeah, no tickets. It's a free event, but um, so just show up. There's going to be a bar, a DJ, a lot of work, and the thing about the Rizograph is the artworks, in my opinion, pretty affordable. So. Most people from the Bica school have work in there. And then I reached out to a couple of my friends uh, from Chicago, a couple artists outside of the community in Buffalo, and all the work is an addition of 50. They're $20 each. You just buy and leave with it right there. Yeah, so it should be a fun event. And what I really want out of it is for people to see the capabilities of the Resograph printer in the fullest form. Yeah, I mean, we don't... We don't get it to, like it started in Japan, right? Was that my understanding that it started in Japan? Yep. And we see some of like what I would consider Rizograph inspired mm-hmm. uh, things, but it really is very bold. It's very like it really catches your eye. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can get a lot of fluorescence, metallic colors. The thing is, like I said before, each color is its own ink drum so that you have to take in and out. So that's a little bit of the manual process and the setup is a little expensive, but then price like uh, the consumables and the price per print goes way down. So I think it's very affordable to, for artists to work in that medium. Yeah. But that's where the uh, bright colors come from. They're very transparent, bold, fluorescent, and I think they look great. They're kind of popular right now. Maybe we'll see in a couple of years if it goes out, but <laughs> I just want to circle back to, is to the events on the 24th. What yeah. time should people show up? Seven o'clock. Okay. Yeah. And okay. then 
we'll be partying all night. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because there, there'll be people at Essex at noon. So yeah, I, I yeah, don't yeah, want yeah. them just like ro- walking over at like twelve thirty and wondering what's going on. Oh, I've been scratching at the door a couple times <laughs> at like two forty five, and they're like, "We don't open till three. <laughs> like, you know, the Sunday fun day where you. <laughs> Now, if if um, if any of our listeners, Rob, before they go um, to the exhibition, you should go. It's free. Fuck you. What are you doing yeah. with your life? But if Fuck they you. wanted to, if they wanted to get a taste of your artwork before they went, where where could they find uh, you know you on social media, or where where could they find your artwork, or whatever you want to get out there for the people? Yeah, I make an Instagram for every facet of my personality, sort of thing. So <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the iteration right now where I'm posting work on is called uh, Robbie with I E underscore Roughneck, Robbie Roughneck. I got hacked a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago. Very stupid, but yeah, silly. Do you fall for one of those DMs? I did. I did. <laughs> no, well, you know, let me stand up for myself for a minute here. <laughs> I woke up for some reason at like 4.30 in the, in the morning and uh, someone I haven't talked to from school in a long time. It seemed like a very genuine message, but you know, you're like half asleep, half awake, going to the bathroom and they're like, hey, could you just like send me this link and i was like okay i just have to copy and paste like i'm not clicking on any hyperlink i just like "Uh, sure hope you're doing okay and but that's how they got me (laughs) they got you just by sending them a link just copy and paste like not not even clicking and going into it which is very strange but i probably sound like an 80 year old man right now dude no (laughs) i'm falling for that (laughs) all right clicking a hyperlink fine shame on you but copying and pasting something i don't know I do believe messages preload uh, like a preview of the link. Ah, so, so I'm sure <laughs> it went out and received something. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. We're not the, so, info- we're not the cybersecurity podcast, thankfully. Yeah, so, no. so like there's a way to verify yourself where they like scan your face and they send it in and like either, you know, a bot or a person kind of tries to match it to your old Instagram to get it back. But like all the photos on my old Instagram, like, I have a slice of bologna with the eyes cut out on my face or like, <laughs> or like I have some filter, just like makeup. I don't know. So there was no way of, oh. no way of getting it back. Tough. All those followers, man. The more ephemeral they are, the better. I right. Think. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to boost your follower count at least Rob. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully you, you check out, uh, Rob's art. Uh, it's it's fascinating, really, and you check out uh, the expo- the Riso Riso exhibition with Bika. Uh, it's going to be a fucking awesome time. So, Rob, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate you, yeah, buddy. Yeah, Sick. All right, Bobby, Sweet. good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks. Um. As, as we wrap up here, guys, um, I want to kind of dedicate this episode a little bit to um, to uh, a, por- a person who's very um, influential in my life who recently passed. Uh, my high school music teacher, Joe Head, uh, recently passed away. Um, he was a teacher at Timon, Bishop Timon uh, High School for over 20 years. Um, he was also a an accomplished musician in his own right, being a member of the Buffalo Music Hall of Fame with uh, the band The Thirds. He passed away uh, about a month ago. His beloved wife, Colleen, uh, passed. And so a month later, he passed. It's very, it's very sad. Um, and uh, yeah, just super, I don't know. I, I, I try to tell people about, uh, about time in and about South Buffalo. And he was a, uh, a decent human being in a sea of, I mean, you listen, whatever you think about me, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a shithead, shithead, I'll admit it. And, and most people, you know, from time and are shitheads. So when you say that there was a decent person, uh, from that cesspool who came out of it, 
um, and really shaped the lives and, um, uh, you know, the views of a lot of the young men to come out of there to, to civilize, to be a, uh, you know, uh, to be a good person in a sea of shitheads. As I get older, I realize more and more, like you're like, oh, this guy was so soft. He was a, you know, a nice guy at the asshole school. And now it's like, oh, well, actually, in a world full of assholes, the value of being somebody genuine and sweet and caring. So um, just want to say, you know, thanks, Mr. Head, for, for everything. I really appreciate you.